The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Out number 320 for March 21st. Happy Spring 2011. Greetings, folks, and welcome back to the Mac Geek Out. Uh, we are the show that answers your questions, solves your problems, provides you helpful hints, shares tips, anything that we can do to make your computing experience with your Apple products, Macs and otherwise uh, better. And here from Durham, New Hampshire, back from a week away at South by Southwest, I am Dave Hamilton. Wait, wait, wait a second. I got a few problems here. So, so wait, I thought we were the Mac Geek Gab, Dave. Didn't I see no, the Mac obviously Geek Obviously, we're, we're, we're Mac Plus. There you go. Yes, now, of course, I'm, I'm in the iPhone camp and you're in the iPad camp. So, uh, but yeah, they all talk to the Mac. They, they need the Mac. That's right. Um, but yes, here in Fairfield, Connecticut, where I, I don't know if uh, Fairfield got the memo that it's spring because um, <laughs> we've got a little wintry mix. Uh, this is John F. Braun. Yeah, it was spring uh, last week up here from what I hear, but I was down in Texas where it was uh, it was terrible. It was 85 and sunny and uh, and quite pleasant. I had to buy some dry heat. Was it a dry heat? No, 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 no. I mean, this this week in Texas was relatively dry, but uh, but Austin and, and I guess Texas in general, certainly central and east Texas is not even close to a dry heat. It's very, very humid. Yeah. No, I heard that, too. I was shocked. Um, some of my uh, some of the people I follow. In Texas, said they uh, they got sunburned. Where I was out and about the last couple of days, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and no, I, I I was out in the sun and I didn't get sunburned. Well, so, uh, yeah, it's I guess little, it's kind of rough out there. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. different. That's Texas. Slightly Everything's different. Big in Texas, slightly different right? angle from the sun. I think is what. Uh, yeah, what does it? There is there is a science there. Uh, so I, we have this, of course, though is is not going to be a normal show where we answer your questions. Uh, this is cool stuff found, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about South by Southwest. There's actually uh, there's some stuff that I, I uh, saw there that I'm going to uh, probably mention a little bit of over the next couple of shows, some products that I want to take a look at uh, and that sort of thing. Of course, South by Southwest is a, a we can call it a three part festival. It is a three part festival, uh, all sort of happening either simultaneously or overlapping and, and transitioning from one to another. Uh, it, there is a technology component that they call interactive uh, a film component and then its core where it started, which is a music component. And most of you probably know a little bit about what it is, but uh, but it is interesting to be to be down there to experience all of it as one. Um, and and if you're going to go and you have the time and you have the interest, uh, I, I recommend doing it that way. There are a lot of people that go down just for the interactive part, of course, and and get a little bit, a little taste of, of the whole thing. But but it really it all sort of ties in. I mean, even, I even saw a panel on Saturday, which is the end of the music festival and nothing else happening. That there was a music panel. But, you know, there's there's just technology everywhere now. And and so it was very interesting to, uh, you know, and, and it always is very interesting. You see some bands, you catch some films, you go to some uh, sessions that are about all sorts of different stuff. And uh, and then there's a trade show floor, too, which which this year they actually did combine everything together together. Uh, to the to the dismay of some of the vendors, because it meant some of the interactive vendors needed to stick around longer than uh, than they normally huh. would have. Yeah. So but it, it was uh, but it was good. So uh, speaking of vendors, Dave, the one thing that caught my attention, yeah. which maybe I, I don't know if you saw it, but I noticed that a certain computer company, uh, I think, set up a temporary storefront. They did. That's right. So Apple 
did. They sent they set up a temporary storefront uh, at Sixth and Congress. It's actually a great location. Uh, they they came in apparently about a week before South by Southwest started. Basically, the first day of South by Southwest was a week ago, Friday, which if math is right, it, it would be, it would have been the 11th, which, of course, was the day that the iPad 2 went for sale. And Apple, of course, doesn't go to trade shows anymore. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that they don't want to dominate the conversation at every trade show. And so they wanted to make sure that all these people that had flown to Austin uh, that were tech geeks and influencers and all that sort of thing, they wanted to make sure those people had the ability to get an iPad 2 on launch day. But of the two stores that are in Austin, exactly none of them are anywhere near downtown, certainly not walking distance, and even a drive would have been rough. So for a lot of people, because a lot of people that go to South by Southwest don't rent cars. So they did. They set up what, what was called a pop up Apple store. It, it was, you know, it was not in a tent, folks. This was in a beautiful storefront. And they actually worked really, really hard over the course of a couple of days to, to make it look good. I didn't fly down until Saturday night. So I bought an iPad, two at Walmart. I left my house at four o'clock in the afternoon. I got to Walmart at about four thirty. I was the second guy in line. I got my uh, iPad, two. Uh, at 502 or whatever it was. And I left. So I invested about an hour into this process and it worked out really, really well for me. Um, I then wanted to check out the pop-up Apple store. And I also wanted to test out one of the, uh, the, uh, the smart covers that they have, and they did not have those for sale at Walmart. So I figured I'll buy one of these at the Apple store. So this was Monday. I think I stopped by the pop-up Apple store and I had to wait in line. You could only go in, if you had a sales rep assigned to you and they had a lot of sales reps in the store, John, so it wasn't terrible, but, but you couldn't just wander in and, and look around. You had someone on your, you know, essentially on your person the entire time through. Huh. Yeah. And I don't know why, I, I don't know if this was, I don't know if it were legal reasons or, or what, I mean, it seemed like, you know, this was a private thing. And so it couldn't be maybe there were licensing issues. And, and so it, it, it couldn't be treated like a true store where the public is allowed to just walk in and out. It was a private thing. And, and I, I don't know, there, there was it was clear that there was something going on. They, they had a police officer stationed outside the store the entire time. Um, so so it was clear that there was there was this was not normal. But anyway, there were about 10 people in line when I got there. So I waited my turn in line and finally they brought me in. They're like, oh, do you want to buy an iPad 2? I said, no, I, I've got it with me. I've already got mine. I just want to take a look. Was, at the was that the only product that they were selling or That's were, were there it. other? They, oh, oh they, okay. okay. Yeah, they were only selling the iPad 2 and accessories. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, so I checked out the smart covers. I, I very quickly realized that... Um, well, I wanted to have one for testing purposes. It was not going to be my cover of choice for a long period of time. So I just opted to buy the microfiber one. If I figured I would keep it for a while and use it regularly, I probably would have gotten the leather. But um, but the microfiber works the same. It's um, the the mag the magnets in it are cool. It, I mean, it's it works just as well as it looks in the videos, which, which is pretty cool. You're, you're okay. Cause you told me you had problems. I can feel them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 Listen, <laughs> you just think you can feel them. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, my kids next have time tested. I come and yeah. next time I come and visit, I'm going to hide magnets in the house and see my, if you can find my them. kids have tested me on this. It's yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Anyway. Um, so, but, it, but it is cool. And, and I hope uh, that third part, and I'm sure they will, that third party case manufacturers will build something a little more substantial that protects the back of the iPad uh, while utilizing the magnets that are available uh, in the front. 
But uh, but I did wind up using it in that case all week and and it works quite well. It, you know, it sits up on your lap. OK, it closes up fine. Obviously, it sits, um, you know, sits on a, a table. I was doing FaceTime back and forth with uh, with Lisa and the kids while uh, while I was away. And it's such a natural thing to be able to sit that thing up and and just talk. And if I wanted to show the kids around the hotel room, I could just grab the device and, you know, flip the camera around and, uh, or you know, flip to the back camera and, and show them around and uh, and all of that. So, yeah. So I checked out the pop-up Apple store. I'm trying to think if there's, I want to look at my list here and make sure there's, uh, there was nothing. There were product products from uh, both LaCie and Seagate um, that I was, that, that I'm going to be taking a closer look at um, some stuff from LaCie coming that, that they're not quite ready to, to talk about publicly yet. That's really cool. Um, and, and then also actually some stuff they've got out now, just their um, and, and Seagate has similar products, but uh, um, some uh, like home media uh, solutions, kind of NAS drives, if you will, like slightly more intelligent than normal NAS drives with, with some interesting functionality. And, and Seagate has a TV uh, unit, like a TV streaming thing similar to an Apple TV or a Roku box. That's a little more open, obviously than the Apple TV. So going to be taking a look at that stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else worth mentioning. And I don't think there was Saw a lot of great bands, of course, as I, as I always do wore myself out, got to see uh, Yoko Ono and, and Bob Geldof speak independently, but, uh, but they were both very interesting speakers. I saw some other people speak that uh, that weren't, you know, speaking of speaking and South by Southwest last year, mm-hmm. I, I ranted a little bit about how the sessions at, at South by Southwest were not um, were not all that great. And I complained about it a lot that my this year I went in with a different tact and, and I think it's probably a good one to take at any trade show. And that was I. As a rule, would not go to panel sessions where there was more than one person on stage. Uh, individual speakers happy to go see, because even if someone's a bad speaker, if they've got to be on stage for an hour, they're going to have prepped, right? Cause they don't want to stand up there and look like an idiot for an hour. However, panelists in a general sense, and this is not true of all of them by, by any stretch, but, but it's true of most of them. Panelists sign up for a panel with three or four other people and everyone says, well, there's three or four other people on stage with me, so I don't need to prep anything. I can sort of boondoggle this one and get my company to pay to send me away because I'm speaking. And, uh, you know, that's uh, then and, and you get people up on stage that really don't have anything important to say or haven't prepared anything important and a, a kind of a bad moderator. And it's a waste of your time. So that's uh, I, I swore off panel sessions uh, for yeah. the most part this week. And it worked out really well. I had a much better experience at the conference. So now I understand why Mr. Paul Kent uh, at uh, Macworld Expo is in general against panel sessions because he doesn't want to present that kind of crap to his audience. So well, I'm with you there, there. There was a show that you and I went to recently where they did have um, a panel at Block World Expo. About- you talking about? Excuse me? At Block no, no, World not Expo? at Macworld. Uh, no, Block, Block yes. World. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, they had. Um, and, and I'll say it. Um, they had a panel that was uh, podcasting tips. Which, okay. You know, I mean, you and I are old pros, I think. I mean, going on six years, yeah, but can always it was a new. panel critiquing podcasts. And I got to tell you personally, I got absolutely nothing out of it. Huh. Um, the, yeah. the, 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 the commentary was, I thought kind of frivolous and they were picking on little things. And well, the thing was also is that they weren't what I would call technically podcasts because they were all, they all had a video aspect. Well, that's now, a podcast we could, we could, too. 
Well, I call it a vidcast. Uh, to me, I, I okay. No, I'm, I'm with you. But I mean, if we use Apple's definition of, of podcasts, and we might as well because they kind okay. of dominate that. All right, right? Fine, fine. Audio and video. But so. but even then, yeah. I personally and and there were others who were also part of the mac podcasting world yep some of them walked out because they were like yeah. this is a waste of my time well, there, that's, there's that's nothing anybody there's nothing oh well yeah no i mean vote with your feet right yeah, yeah exactly. i'm not going to stick around and be polite and no. you know i'll even fill out the form saying look i i personally did not now maybe somebody got something out of it sure you know maybe beginner you know people who have never done it but to me the you know i i consider okay these are people that i thought were seasoned podcasters and am I going to get something out of it? And I personally did not. And that, you know, when I, when I wasn't paying attention, I was yep. on my MacBook uh, surfing and right. tweeting and stuff like that. Right. But, but I quickly lost interest because none of the commentary really hit home with me. Now maybe yep. it's just me, maybe because uh, it's, again, it's, you and I have done this for so long. Maybe some of the tips uh, had value to some, some audience, but I was expecting, and, and it was advertised as an expert panel. And I, I, in my well, personal opinion, you may have had was. experts up there, but it doesn't mean that they're experts in conveying that kind of information. And, and that's often what happens with, with, uh, with panels is you get some, you know, popular names and that's the whole reason they're there. They're just not good. Speakers. Well, there was one popular name up there and, okay. and also, yeah. and, and I'm with you also as the moderator. And I don't know if the moderator was necessarily guiding the content because uh, cause they kind of drive what's happening. Absolutely. They ask the question and they are supposed to manage the audience and make sure that they don't go off on an irrelevant tangent. Like we, like we are do. right now. <laughs> so I will moderate this right back. Moderate it back to what, to what we're going to do. We're and doing, we're actually going to cool start found. We're going to start with Dennis uh, because, and I'm starting with this one, John, because this may be valuable for this particular show in, in, in specifically. Hi, John and Dave. It's Dennis from California with uh, what I think is something that's uh, cool stuff found in that category. It's a podcast bookmarking app. Now, obviously, we all listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, I listen to you guys pretty much every week. And if there's something that is a topic that is of special interest to me, uh, a topic you're discussing, uh, say, for example, you're discussing uh, screen sharing, and, I, and I'm really interested in that. I simply click one button in this application, and it bookmarks it. It brings up a text dialog box. You can just simply hit save if you're on the road at that point, and then go back in and modify it. And you could add text, uh, you know, interested in this topic on screen sharing, for example. And it saves that bookmark in the application. So if you want to go back and listen to just that part of the show, you can go back and listen to just that part of the show. It's called Audio Mark in the App Store, and I believe it was 99 cents. Uh, so I think that's a real cool deal. Anyway, thanks again for your show. I really appreciate it, guys. And this is where you cut me off. Thanks, Dennis. It is 99 cents in the App Store, and we will put a link in the show notes. So if you want to pause the show now and go and get that and then come back, we've got a lot of stuff to go through. So you may want to have that for this show. But certainly, uh, I know it's something a lot of you uh, would probably benefit from based on some of the feedback we've gotten uh, in various ways over the years. So very, a very fitting one to start with. Uh, the second one, John, is something we've had mentioned a couple of times by various listeners. Andy was the uh, most recent one to shine a light on it, but uh, it was also something that you've used and that's called at monitor, a T monitor, which is free at at purpose.com. Why don't you tell you want to tell people what that is? Here's what I like about at monitor. And, and I think I'm going to do a gadget on it because it is 
what I'm going to call activity monitor on steroids. Not only does it give you a view of what processes you're running, like activity monitor, but it goes way beyond this, Dave, in that it will it will show you. So, so one of the one of the value adds here that I think that activity monitor does not do is when you highlight an app, it will tie into either a manual page or um, I use this.com, I think, or, or a couple of other data sources, and it'll actually tell you what the heck the process is. Because a lot of times it's really not clear. Sometimes right. it is, sometimes it isn't. And if it's not, it's going to show you. Not only does it do that, it'll show a little icon telling you if you don't have the latest version. Ooh. That's but it gets cool. even cooler. And this is where, as far as I know, this is one of the few utilities that does this. And, and I was working with, with someone, uh, Allison, uh, one of our, our friend Allison, who was trying to solve a, a GPU problem that I think her son was having. Or we were trying to determine. The thing is, for the most part, you don't know how much VRAM, video RAM, or GPU you're using. And I think you verified this, Dave, when... when uh, I think I reminded you of this and you tried it, but that figure is very hard to get a hold of in that uh, the tools built into the OS really don't tell you this. Right. So to or me, at least, the, at least the, the tools we can access. <laughs> I mean, I think the OS right. tells well, some you, of the, but, well, right. some of the developer tools, I think right. will let you do this, but it will show you not only how much video RAM you're using, which could tell you if you're pushing the limits of your machine or maybe you want to get more in your next machine, but it also tells you what percentage of the GPU is being used, which could also help you diagnose certain issues. And I think yeah. you verified that. I think you were, yeah. you know, you ran it and as you were playing around with Windows and whizzing them across the screen, the GPU percentage would go up as it That's should. Right. That's right. Yep. Uh, so awesome, awesome utility. I mean, the price is right. I, I do believe they encourage donations and, and I would encourage you if you use this but it's what activity monitor should be in my opinion that's right that's right all right uh next up is jim uh and jim says i can't find the show reference but at some point recently you asked about the cleanup of duplicate addresses within the address book app i use an app from spanningtools.com called contact cleaner it works well and it helped me fix a mess caused by an entourage address book and mobile me sync failure uh, they make some other cool things, too, but this is the one we're talking about here. So it is a 15-day free trial, $14.99 is the price there. I, I went through, actually, before we did the show, because everybody's always asking, you know, tell us the prices, tell us the prices. So for these cool stuff found shows, in, in a general sense, no, we're not going to necessarily have the prices for everything. A lot of times these apps kind of, you know, pop into our heads as we're answering questions for you here. So it's hard for us to, to prep that information, but, uh, but for cool stuff found where we know what we're going to talk about in advance, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm testing that today. So let us know how you, uh, how you think, but it's 1499, uh, 15 day free trial. And it's actually time, John, to talk about our first sponsor, which, uh, which is not all that much different from what we're doing here, except, uh, these people paid to be in the show. Uh, and so they deserve our and your, uh, your respect because they help, help kind of keep things going here. And that is someone who's been around for a long time. That is barebones.com. Today we are talking about Yojimbo. Yojimbo is my favorite, uh, information organ organizer. And I'll clarify that by saying it's great for that information that does not have a home anywhere else. Calendar data is great inside of a calendar email great inside of mail app uh but then there's all those kind of other things bits and pieces of data they might be uh text snippets they might be pdfs they might be images uh and 
there's no real place on your Mac to keep all that stuff in a way that's you can organize. Sure, you could create a hierarchy of folders. In fact, before Yojimbo existed, that's exactly what I did. I had built a hierarchy of folders on my desktop and inside it, you know, were various little snippets and, and bits and pieces of stuff. And it's how I was tracking all the things we were going to talk about in the show. I had all these different text files and all that. Two hours after Yojimbo was released, and this is probably five years ago now, uh, I pulled those folders into Yojimbo and started organizing it that way. You can create what they call collections, which are like your folders. You can tag things. And yes, you can put video and audio files and PDFs and all that stuff in there. And you can just dump it in, search for it any way you want. You can search by the title of what you called it, the contents of what it is. And it'll index PDFs and, and all of that stuff too. Uh, very, very handy. And then of course they have an iPad app which will allow you to take the data from your Mac and put a copy of it on your iPad. So you've got it to, uh, to reference there too. You can't currently add anything on the iPad or edit, but, uh, but you can take the data and put it out there. So this is Yojimbo from Barebones at barebones.com. Uh, Yojimbo is $38.99 to buy an individual license. Uh, but of course you can download a free trial. Uh, at barebones.com and Yojimbo for iPad is $9.99. And of course that is purchasable in Apple's app store that you can get links to all of that here at uh, barebones.com. Moving on. Uh, we had talked about uh, an app called choosy that lets you pick what browser uh, you're going to open links with. And JD writes, uh, a better alternative to Choosy is Choose Wisely. And Choose Wisely, and we've got a link to it, it is freeware. It's pretty cool because as you go to click a link in your browser, you set Choose Wisely as your, uh, as your default browser. And so as you click links, it pops up this little window with all of your browsers and you can just click right there uh, with your mouse uh, which browser you want that particular link to open in and boom. It sends it right over there. So uh, it's pretty cool. And, and of course, that's why it's here, because it's, you know, cool stuff found. Right, John? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. I'm with your brother. <laughs> okay, that's good. It's a crazy ride, this cool stuff found show. Uh, all right. Uh, so the next one came from Twitter follower Will, uh, and it's called Display Pad. There are, it's, a, it's yet another one of those apps that takes your, Mac desktop and extends it over to your iPad. So essentially allowing you to use the iPad as a second monitor. But, uh, but this one's got some cool stuff to it. Uh, it is uh, $4.99 for the iPad and there's a little app that you have to run on your Mac and that is free. Uh, but uh, it, you can use your, your uh, touch screen on your iPad as a mouse. So you can scroll up and down and, uh, and it's, you know, it, it sets up pretty smoothly. I tried it out. It's, yeah, it, it does exactly what uh, what you would expect it to do. So thanks. Thanks, Will, for for sending that through. Can I uh, can I toss one in the ring? Dave? I was just going to ask you if you we're, or two. We are of one mind. Yeah, I've, actually, I think you should do both of those in a row. That's right. Yes. OK, I'm going to do these in a row. So so this was we, we may go into detail, but it was a question that I answered. You know, while you were away, I was manning the fort. Thank for you. A TMO Towers East, as we yeah, call it. Right. That's right. <laughs> At an undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's between Durham, New Hampshire and Fairfield, Connecticut. That's all I can say. That's all we can say. <laughs> But it was actually a question, and, and it relates a little bit to Aperture, so I'm really starting to dig Aperture. 
And here's one problem with Aperture. So here's another one. So, so we had a discussion about one feature that I felt should have been an Aperture. And this is the whole import thing, which Aperture does not have. You, you can script it. And I've done that. But here's another feature that uh, I, I don't have the name of the person that wrote in. Again, we'll go into detail in a future show. But here's the problem. So whereas at least the most recent versions of iPhoto, Dave, will detect, and I'm not quite sure, I think they do a combination of the aspects of the file, the size and the name. Right. Not just the name, though, because I, I tested this. So, so the latest version of iLife or, or iPhoto, if you import a photo and then you try to import the same photo, yeah. it's going to come up with a big old dialogue saying, um, you know, this photo is ready in your library. Are you, are you sure you want to do this again? Right. And I personally can't think of a good reason why you'd want to import the same photo twice. You know, maybe once it's in iPhoto, you could make a duplicate of it and do different things with it. But I, I personally, and, and I know, so, so the, the person who wrote the question said, well, here's my problem. I have a lot of duplicates and I, I don't like the clutter. Right. What can I do? Now, I did one suggestion, which I think is a category in Aperture, and that's why we're going to talk about it later. But here's a utility that I haven't looked at for a while. And full disclosure here, Dave, okay. I got this in a prior swag bag. Um, so I did, did not pay for it. I have it for, for free. But it's called Tidy Up. And you may have seen this, Dave. Yep. Tidy Up. Uh, and I think they've been around for a while. So Tidy Up is, I think, an all-purpose duplicate file utility. But here's the cool part about it, Dave, is that when you start it up, one of the things it can do, and not all dupe, dupe utilities can do this properly, but it can detect duplicate photos, not only in iPhoto, but also Aperture. And I tested uh, this out. Cool. So I tested it out, actually, with my Aperture library. So my current Aperture library, so I have yeah. it as one wampin large library, uh, some people may have individual libraries. Now, I got, of course, individual projects and albums, but I have about 27,000 photos. And I didn't okay. think that I had any duplicates. I imported them from my photo, which has the... But no, it found about 100, maybe about 120 duplicates or 60 photos that were duplicated. Wow. And you can give it various criteria. So you can say, okay, you know, match on date, match on this, match on that, or match on all the info embedded in the photo which, as most people may know, is that there's something called EXIF, which is data that's not just the picture data, but it's other things which could be the aperture or the shutter or, or things like that. And TidyUp does a great job. And it did that. So it identified the 60 photos that I had, and then I actually hopped into Aperture and got rid of them. Though this can also get rid of them for you as well. But I, you know, I, I don't know if I totally trusted it the first time around. But no, it does a great job of identifying this. So for cleaning up duplicate photos in either iPhoto or Aperture or just duplicates in general, tidy up. And the last I checked, I believe they have a trial, but I think right now it's $30, Dave, from Hyperbolic Software. So that's one. Now, here's another one that I just recently became aware of. Now, I don't think I'd recommend using this for aperture duplicates though it can certainly scan your aperture folder and i tried it but but i don't know if what it came up with is stuff that i necessarily want to get rid of uh dupe guru and this is something from hardcoded.net and from what i can see it's available not only for the mac but also for different platforms and it can either find duplicate file names which is maybe what, what you want to do or it has a kind of smart fuzzy logic mode or to look at the contents of a file and identify duplicates and this, Dave, they use something called, uh, let me see, what did they call it? I think they called it FairPay. Is that it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up here again. But basically, you can download it. It's fully functional. And if you want to pay for it, you can. 
And I think the, the, the going rate right now is that most people feel it's worth about 20 bucks. So if you yeah, have duplicate files, cool. yeah. But between these two utilities, I think they're going to uh, they're going to serve your needs. Uh, tidy up, you got to pay for it, but it's I think more advanced. Uh, and and again, it can dig into photo libraries. And I think even uh, I think I even saw an option where it can look in your music library as well. So so I think for for anybody who has multiple copies of pictures or music, uh, tidy up I think is the way to go. Otherwise, check out uh, check out uh, Dupeguru. Cool. Uh, I want to talk about it, another uh, app, and we've mentioned this in, slightly-ish in the past, uh, but I wanted to mention it again. And it's an it's an app called, uh, Ms. Michelle sent it in, called Mailboxes uh, for the iPad. And uh, and what it does, it's really cool, actually. Uh, one, of the, one of my big complaints about the iPad is that it does not have... Um, it, it does not have the ability to to be a multi-user device. It, if I set it up for me, it's mine. My mail is on there. My calendar's there. My contacts are there. Huh. And it, it, you know, it's, but, but, and, and I get that that's what Apple built it to be. And that's fine. But I th- also think it would make a great coffee table device, right? Just kind of that thing that sits out there. You want to browse the web, you just pick it up and it's right there and you put it back down and somebody else can pick it up and check their email or whatever. And so mailboxes, uh, it's two ninety nine. And what it does is it essentially is, uh, uh, well, it it gives you the ability to have separate mail accounts set up uh, on the device. Now, the way it does this is by connecting you to Gmail. So they have to be Gmail accounts or Google apps, you know, for your domain uh, accounts, which many, many people are using now. And of course, we all do in the house. So. Uh, what you do is you set this up and you put in all your credentials and all that stuff and, and it, it locks it in a little sandbox and you can have multiple sandboxes inside this one app. So you go in, you type in your, you know, four digit code and boom, it lets you into your sandbox, but not anybody else's. And you can go and mess with your mail. And then as soon as you're out, you're out. And if somebody else picks it up, they click on mailboxes and in they go into their little sandbox. So it solves that one aspect of the shared device problem, which is probably a pretty big aspect of it uh, from that standpoint. So mailboxes for the iPad. That's a, a handy thing, especially in a house like mine, where there's now a second iPad that uh, is under contention by the uh, remaining members of my household. <laughs> so, uh, so it might, 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 might be a helpful thing to use. In fact, I think I'll set it up on there this evening again. I tested it a little while ago, but uh, but yeah, so that's that. Uh, that's that one. A uh, couple of Safari things we got, John, this uh, this time around, as it were. And I need to pull up the one from John. Uh, John writes, uh, you guys probably know this, but if someone wants to disable JavaScript on a given website, do the following. First, make sure the developer menu in Safari is enabled. And of course, that's done by going into Safari preferences advanced and clicking the show develop menu in menu bar box. Once that's enabled, you will see a develop menu. And in there, you'll see a subsection called JavaScript. Uh, You can also, of course, using keyboard shortcuts, create a shortcut to perform. Uh, And it does turn it off just for the current session. So if you're having JavaScript problems with a website, which happens occasionally, uh, this is a handy way to to bypass them. 
and get to what you're doing. Another one that we've mentioned, uh, of course, before and probably will mention again is click to flash, which is a Safari extension. Uh, actually, it works with many browsers, but uh, but makes it so that flash content does not automatically load. You have to click it to load it. And of course, you can whitelist certain sites. So if you have a site that's only flash, maybe your bank or so, I don't know, something uh, you can say, oh, yeah, no, always load flash here, but but not in a general sense. So. That's, okay. Uh, to follow up, a quick yeah, follow up is yeah, you can also, though it's not per session, but it's buried in the preferences. So if you go into Safari preferences, security, yep. there is a web content section. And not only is there a enable JavaScript box, right. which I think has the same effect, though it's a bit of more of a pain to get to, but it also has, which I, I haven't looked there in a while, but it also has enable plugins, enable Java, and one that I think is in the Safari menu block pop-up windows, which I think we all want to do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I find it interesting that you can also disable Java or disable plugins. Yes. For yeah. uh, And I think, yeah, if you're debugging, yeah, yeah, I'm with you because some, some pages, uh, you know, I mean, there's certain plugins that you and I know that kind of crash on occasion. Um, yeah. What, what's the name of it? I, I forget. Oh, flash. That's flash. right. That's, right. <laughs> well, that's what click to flash solves. It, it, it yeah, is handy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Jeff uh, in the Safari group here, Jeff writes, uh, during your last Cool Stuff Found episode, you had commented about how you hoped that opening a Safari iTunes app would not launch iTunes. I also find that behavior annoying and found a Safari extension that prevents exactly that from happening. If you decide you want iTunes to launch, there's a gray bar at the top of the page where the extension loads. And this is at einserver.de. And the extension is called No More iTunes. Uh, and it, it does. Now, of course, Apple has changed the behavior of some of their App Store pages so that they are just web pages and you can choose to launch uh, iTunes from there. But but just this morning, as I was actually prepping for this show, uh, there was one app that I went to and it automatically launched Safari. And it was like, got to install that thing from Jeff. Because I, I hate that, especially when I'm traveling, mm-hmm. uh, because... I have my iTunes library on a, a separate drive. So when I'm traveling, I'm not necessarily connected to that drive. And if I open iTunes, it starts downloading podcasts and it starts putting them in the wrong place and all that. So I am like sworn off of iTunes when I, when I travel, unless I you know happen to have the library accessible either with me or over a VPN or something. So, so that's my, uh, that's my story. Uh, and then I think it might, I'm not sure if it's the same Jeff or another Jeff says uh, a few episodes ago you talked about creating a flash drive that's capable of booting a mac uh here's an interesting twist to that a way to boot from non-macs as well and there's an editor's note uh there's a, it's a life hacker article about creating a, essentially a portable hackintosh on a usb thumb drive so you can boot non-macs into mac os 10 uh with a, a thumb drive built boot system so that's actually pretty cool so there's a, a life hacker article about this that we'll link to so thanks, Jeff. Good stuff found. That is cool. Right? Cool stuff found. Good stuff. Good cool stuff found. Anything to uh to, to add there, John, or am I just not uh, yet blasting through? Okay. Uh Doug writes. Uh let's see. Uh I'm trying to, it's a big, long email that Doug has written and I'm trying to figure out. He says, uh, over the last few weeks, I've heard quite a bit in discussion about the failure of the daily, weekly and monthly maintenance scripts. 
While it may be that running a command from terminal or even an option from within Onyx will run these scripts, I actually think that the best way to see that these scripts have been run and run them really easily if they have not is using a dashboard widget called Maintigit, M-A-I-N-T-I-D-G-E-T. Uh, I hardly ever use dashboard myself, and I'm lucky enough that all the Macs run my periodic scripts reliably, but Maintigit will show you the last time they've run Write a checkbox next to each and a a little option at the bottom to run the scripts. One item of note is that in order to run any of the scripts, your account needs to be an admin equivalent. While Onyx is a great application to have for every Mac user, in this case, I find it far easier to check the status of the scripts and optionally run them using Maintigit than by firing up Onyx, having it ask me to check the smart status of my drive, verify everything, etc. So, yeah, definitely. And it's at giantmike.com. So that's... uh, that's actually handy, John. You That's probably something you ought to install there. To, I am running it on both the Mini <laughs> and my MacBook Pro. <laughs> that's perfect. Here, here's even the cool part. And I, I don't know what malady was affecting my my Mini. Or no, right. it was my G5 that I think. I, I don't think, uh, but no, as far as I can tell, and I'm looking at it right now. So, and, and here's even the cool part. So it's telling me my monthly ran on Tuesday, March 1st blah, 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 EST, because of course, March 1st was EST. Right. My weekly ran on March 19th, EDT, oh. and uh, my daily ran on March 21st, which uh, last I checked is today. So, yeah, you know, the I, thing is, I'm I got leaving screwed my out of $3 mini- because of daylight savings time. Save daylight saving time. Uh, because I going to correct you. That's I, right. Everybody, I, it's daylight saving time. Right. That's so right. everybody says savings and you understand what we're talking about. Right. You lo- but, how did you, how you lost a big, what? $3, $3. So, you know, I, I, I left on Saturday the 12th for South by Southwest. Okay. And, and so I, I had to park at the airport. Uh, so I have this lot that I park in and, and the Ugh. lot sells me time in hourly chunks or in daily chunks or in weekly chunks. So I bought a week and a day. I prepaid, they have a you know discount or whatever. And so I, I did that. I got there at 3.15 in the afternoon on 3.15 Eastern Standard Time on Saturday the 12th. I checked out at 3.27 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time yesterday. And uh, and so that was more, 10 minutes more than my allotted uh, time. But it really wasn't 10 minutes more because I lost an hour that Saturday night. And I asked the guy, I actually said to him, I said, uh, he said, you owe me uh, three bucks. And I said, well, wait a minute. What about the, do I get credit for the hour that I lost for daylight saving time? And he said, uh, what are you talking about? I said, well, I checked in on the 12th and then the clocks moved. They said, I bought, you know, a week plus a 24 hour package and, and I'm, I'm getting screwed on this. I should have only, you know, I, I get one less. And the guy's like, yeah, you owe me three bucks. So I, I've had to pay him. I, <laughs> No, that's wrong. <laughs> no, they ripped you off, they man. Totally, they totally got me. No, he, he twenty four hours is twenty four hours. Correct. Yeah, it's not uh, unless last I checked, just the clocks move ahead, Dave. You don't get an extra hour, uh, you know, put into your life there, right? No, 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 no. That, that he was wrong. I no, know. I, I would I know. fight it, man. Yeah, yeah, it's worth it too. Fight the man. I was going to stand there for twenty minutes and argue about three dollars with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just not <laughs> worth it sometimes. No, no, but I at least felt I felt uh, I felt like I had to ask, and and the guy was totally confused. I mean, he had no idea what I was, why I was even asking him this. It's like what? And I explained the whole. I walked him through the whole thing. I'm like, well, see, here's how it works. He's like, 
Oh, yeah, that's interesting. So it's uh, three bucks. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it kind of makes up for it in some cases, Dave. For example, when when the clocks go back, I mean, say you're uh, you're yeah. spending the night out with friends and it's last call. Yeah. And the clock goes back. You kind of get an extra hour of, of you know, before last call. I right? get screwed out of that, too, you know, because I'm yeah. usually playing. Right. And so you play till like, you know, one thirty. But I uh, see. <laughs> You See just that can't works? Win, man. No, no. Daylight saving. I think time they should abolish haunts. it. I agree. I think the only st- oh, who is it? I, I think, they do uh, say the Arizona. Arizona, I think, ignores it. Which uh, the government says that we save money on electricity by doing it every year. No, I. Government lies. Freaking government. They lie. Yeah, exactly. All right. We talked about this before, but it's not the government geek gap. It's not. All right. Some mystery caller. Go. Hi, John. Hi, Pete. And Dave, um, oh, let's see. I'm calling because I found a really awesome tip about iTunes. For one thing, you know how when you have an audiobook on an iPhone or iPod Touch, or I don't know about the nails or anything like that, it says part one of blank. And when you have an audiobook that is 12 CDs or 16 or 17 CDs, it gets a little annoying having to switch CDs. So what I always do is build a playlist of whatever book it is and call it, you know, the name of the book and then put it in order in the playlist. But the thing is, is that I have so many books that on the left-hand side, I have to scroll down. And I just got so tired of seeing that until one day I noticed that in the file menu, there's something called new playlist folder. And so I just labeled it books. And then now there's a new playlist folder that has all my books in it. You just drag and drop into it, and then it has the little triangle that you can turn to go down and turn to go back up, and it hides them all neatly. And then I've also made one that's called Old Playlist. You know, cool. I, when I need to access one of my old playlists, I scroll, turn it down, and then I have a favorites folder. So, very handy. I don't know how I live without them. All right, bye. Awesome. Thanks, man. That's uh, cool stuff found indeed. Uh, you know, John, I've got I've got two things here I want to talk about that I found at Macworld Expo that I wanted to include in the Cool Stuff Found show there, but uh, hadn't had a chance to test them. So wanted Go. to kind of. Yeah. OK, so uh, number one is an app called Blast from Apparent Soft. They were over in the little shanty town and, uh, and, and that's the little uh, thing, you know where there's all the little kiosks of, of little app vendors. And every now and then, you know, I actually, call it a tiny town. Yeah. All right. Well, I call it shanty town. Yeah. You could do that. I know. Uh, and so these guys are there and they have a bunch of different little apps, but the one I liked the most was called blast. And what it does is it puts a little menu, uh, a little icon in your menu bar and you can click on the icon and it shows you all of your most recently used files right there. And then it's got different categories for documents, images, videos, and, uh, and, and, and a couple other things. You can also, like you can in the sidebar of the finder, you can drag specific folders up there if you want to have quick access to them too. And then, of course, when you choose one, uh, if it's a folder, it opens in the finder. If it's a file, it opens in whatever app you've got set to uh, launch that file. Where it gets really handy for me, I spend a lot of time on the keyboard by default, there's a shortcut control B. You can set that to uh, basically anything you want. And then you navigate the whole thing with menu keys. So uh, for example, today I, you know, I needed to look up a file and so I control B and I knew it was in the recent list and boom, it was right there. 
So uh, really, really handy access. It's quick. It's easy. You can download a, uh, a free trial. And then I think it's like 10 bucks from uh, from apparentsoft.com. So did you check that one out too, John? Or was that, it's always easy to miss stuff in, in Shanty, t- Tiny Town over there. I had not. No, I heard about it. I, I've heard people talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. So. I still remember. Yeah, so that's a nice feature. Because, yeah, sometimes I want a little more oomph out of my computer. I, I seem mm-hmm. to remember. I don't think QuickTime has it anymore. But I seem to remember the QuickTime player had a secret option click where you could extend the volume beyond. The, John, the John, we're range. talking about we're talking about blast. So you weren't listening. I understand. You no, think I, I, no, no, I was listening. You think I'm talking about boom, though, aren't you? Hmm. Blast is not has nothing to do with the sound. Blast is for finding the little files. Oh, sorry. I'll let you listen back. That's okay. We'll talk about Boom later. In fact, uh, fine. We'll talk about Boom now, even though I didn't see it at MacWorld Expo. Uh, but I just need to pull up Bill's thing. So, so Blast for the files, and then uh, and then because John thought we were talking about something we weren't. See, when we do this show, sometimes when one guy is talking, the other guy has a little bit of a rata or something to write down, and uh, and so sometimes we get caught. Uh, I got so, caught. You did. That's okay. So Bill says uh, at Macworld at one of the small stands was a company called Global Delight, and they had a little four ninety nine Mac app that boosts the output prop output output volume on your laptop, MacBook or MacBook Pro. It also uh, puts a little control in the menu bar, and it lets you boost the volume and apply an equalizer. So I, I messed with this this morning, and 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 Bill says you know sometimes. Uh, he and his wife like lay lay there and watch a show on the MacBook on a you know Netflix or DVD, and sometimes the volume's just not loud enough. Uh, and he's he's right. And and this app is cool. They they um they're doing some processing in the background to to kind of increase the gain of whatever's coming out, and it works with it, it, anything. It, it I think it kind of hijacks the audio on the way out of the machine because it worked with mm. you know Safari, it worked with iTunes. But it's also got a cool equalizer built in, as he said. And, you know, I had like what I would call thumping bass coming out of my MacBook Pro uh, with this thing. So it's definitely cool. And then they've also got a mode where you can take an audio file and throw it at this and it will do the same thing to the file itself. So, again, it increased the gain and adjusts where the volume is inside the file so that when you then sync it to your iPod or iPhone or whatever device you want to use, it benefits from that same technology. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a, it's a cool thing. It's four ninety nine. There is a, uh, I believe a seven day, but, but, but it's a, there is a free trial for you to check out. So nice. Okay. That, so take what I just said. Right. <laughs> so now rewind. That's but no, right. I had not tried, I had not tried blast. I, I did look at the webpage for it, um, yeah. but I had not tried it yet. So, yeah. So I'll certainly do that. Now I think I'm in sync with uh, with you. Yeah, I'm jumping all over the place here, John. Uh, so, yeah, you kind so, of are. So while we're on the Macworld thing, the the other one that I wanted to mention for Macworld was uh, something called Nature Space. So this is an app for your I, iOS device. You can put it on your iPad. You can put it on your iPhone or your iPod Touch. And what it does is it's these guys have been out in the wilderness recording the sounds of nature for probably 20 years. I mean, they've just been doing this a long time. They know how to do it and they've been creating what they call holographic audio. If uh, you know, the, the with, with, well, yeah. So the, the human mind is very capable at taking two sound inputs 
and creating a 3D world from them, right? So you know if sound is coming from in front of you or behind you, right? You, you can tell this, but you don't have, you just have the two inputs, right? One on either side of your head. And so this stuff mm-hmm. is built for people with, with headphones on. And they do, they create these 3D worlds. In fact, the demo, and I, I've been telling them to put this demo in their app because it's so cool. The demo that I did at, at Macworld or that they did at Macworld was you stood, in, stood at their booth. They said, give us two minutes. So you put headphones on and then they start the demo. And, and the, the, the demo was a little, a little hokey. You probably wouldn't want to use it as kind of ambient sound to, to chill out to. Uh, but, but it just showed what was possible. And suddenly here I am in the trade show hall and there's some dude like 10 feet above me on the left talking to me. And he, of course there wasn't, but that's what it sounded like. And then sound sort of happened around you. So they've got all these different cool sounds and some of them are, you know, they'll loop if you want, but they're, you know, many of them are 10 minutes long. And, uh, and they're all available for a buck or two with in-app purchase. I think you get like five with the app. It's a free download and then you can add more, but uh, really, really cool stuff. I, you know, I was going to, I wanted to play a demo of it right here in the podcast, but since we, we produce this podcast in mono uh, because we don't need stereo for this, but that would totally break anything with, uh, with, with uh, nature space. So, so I can't, so just go, go to the website, naturespace.com. Uh, I believe I hope that's right. And, uh, and they'll, uh, and they'll, they'll play it for you there. We'll, we'll put the link in the show notes, but I think that's, oh, yeah. is it naturespace.com? Yeah, right yeah. Okay, good. So well, I, I got the iTunes link that you had. in the. In okay. The but it, it is naturespace.com and, it, and it's cool stuff. So, and it's great for plane rides or whatever, you know, it's nice to just be able to chill out for 10, 15 minutes and and just you know kind of let it take you on a journey you close your eyes so and, how do they is it like phasing or eh, who knows some audio magic i guess yeah well i mean you have two microphones in your head that's essentially how it works no i know yeah yeah so it, it's yeah, more i just of, find it interesting it's more just about two speakers you can create well it, you have depth. you have to use headphones to, to I, really I understand, do it but i'm saying two yeah yeah, yeah. is with with two audio input devices, namely your right and left ear. Correct. That they figured out how to give you a sense of space. Well, I think what, in real life, right? I think, right. I think what they're doing <laughs> is spacing the microphones. Okay. Right. To, to, to approximate the human ear. And right. so now as sound moves around these microphones, well, it, the, the brain does the, the, the real magic is being done in our heads. Right. 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 Yeah. So, all right, so uh, so that's Nature Space, and we jumped all over the map, and we did that one. Uh, well, we're on the iOS thing. We might as well do Jordan because that's a timely one. At the uh, at the end of the last show, I was talking about different that how I use the uh, Twitter app uh, to create notifications for myself, but I really use Twitter to do my tweeting on my iPhone. And uh, Jordan writes, I recommend that you check out Boxcar. It's a free app and it will do Twitter push notifications for your timeline, mentions, direct messages, searches, whatever you want. But it allows you to then have the notification when you say open on the device, it sends it sends you to your Twitter app of choice. So uh, I've started using that today and it totally works. And it's free. Yeah. You know. That's good stuff, man. I appreciate it, Jordan. And I, and hopefully many of you out there do too. I think it used to be a for pay service. And I think there is, I there, I think there's an in-app purchase to turn for like five bucks to turn off advertising. I have not gotten any ads yet. So we'll see if and how annoying they are. But, uh, but if they're done well, I don't mind uh, 
supporting them one way or another. So that's that. Um, how about uh, how about we go to this audio comment here, John, and uh, which one? And talk about. Well, you'll see. Hey, Mac geeks, just listening to you gab back on an older podcast number two ninety five when you were discussing looking at what's on your network uh, using iStumbler and Safari. I just wanted to contribute by telling you about two that I use at work called Flame and Observation Post. Uh, Flame tells you the IP address and name of the devices it can see on the network and also some of the services running, but Observation Post is definitely the better of the two because it lets you have a look at names and you can click on the actual device and if it's uh, got say uh, remote login you can click on that and it'll open an SSH in terminal so it's, it's a nice little uh, way of jumping onto any machines screen sharing etc other services uh, definitely worth checking out but um, it's not in active development anymore but it still seems to work under Snow Leopard so your mileage may vary as the saying goes um, cool. So, enjoy. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, actually everything mentioned there is free, so you, just, you can't beat it. How how could you how could you beat that? Good stuff to have. They could pay you. <laughs> you asked me. How I could did. You beat I, it's it? a good it's a good answer. Okay, so I want to talk about our second sponsor for this show, which is CoinGo Software. And specifically today, we are talking about Librarian Pro version two. Uh, so the concept is, uh, as they say, you know, you've probably managed to create your own lib- mini library of media, books, games, magazines, movies, software, all that stuff. Uh, and it, they're, they're probably in various different places in a physical sense. And it's it's difficult, right? To figure out which ones you have on file or remember, you know, is that one on the bookshelf downstairs or is that upstairs? Well, librarian pro is the answer to all of that. It is a personal inventory system. If you will, you can create smart collections in there. Uh, you can add things to the in the Amazon shopping cart that's inside the program. You can, if like John, if I lend you my copy of Ender's Game, uh, I can put in the thing. I lent John Ender's Game, and boom, off it goes. Uh, it'll it'll import from uh, other cataloging apps like Delicious Library or DVDpedia, and then you can search uh, for items in the program. Uh, it'll search out on Amazon. And pull in details automatically, so it would automatically pull in, you know, Orson Scott Card and blah blah blah, all that stuff. It'll autofill all the uh, all the data right there, and uh, and it is a cross-platform app, which is actually kind of cool. But uh, so, and you can have the database if you've got a Windows machine too. You can share the database back and forth. It's uh, it's totally totally uh, back and forth, totally cross-platform. How come I couldn't think of that term, John? And, uh, and it'll pull in album art or book art. And, uh, I could put, you know, you in there and it pulls from Apple's address book, you know, and pulls in stuff. When I tell it, I've, I've lent you the book. And that way a year from now I can say, Hey man, you got to give me my book back. And, uh, and I know it, at least I got to go to you. 
very, very cool stuff. So this is Librarian Pro. Of course, it is available for a free trial download from CoingoSW.com. And it is $19.95 when you are ready to order. So that is Librarian Pro from Coingo Software. These are the same people that uh, that make Air Radar, which, of course, we love uh, and couldn't live without it. And also Mac Pilot, uh, among many, many other things. So uh, check them out. CoingoSoftware.com. CoingoSW.com. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to... Uh, well, we can jump to Kevin. How about that, John? That sound that that a good place to jump? No, I think it's uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Hey, Mac geeks, it's uh, Kevin here from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, I just have a, a cool tip, I think, for your your cool tips or cool things found category. Um, I, there's an app called it's a free app called App Cleaner. Uh, you might have heard of it. Um, and it's really, you know, good for, I know there's a few apps that do this, but it's a, it's a really good app for deleting programs and all the cruft and files and preferences and all that, that, uh, that are associated with any app. Um, but what I found today that I thought was really cool is that, uh, you could drag an app into this, into app cleaner. Um, that's, that's how you erase it. So app cleaner opens a, a window up and you drag an app into the window to, to delete it. And, uh, but what's really cool is it will show you everything associated with that app. So I used it for doing some troubleshooting, trying to figure out what preferences go with a specific app. And uh, I used it to delete the preferences not uh, and actually not delete the app. So you could just you know drag in the app and then uh, uncheck the app so you're not deleting the app, but you're deleting all the preferences and caches and anything else that are associated with, with that app. So I thought that was pretty cool for troubleshooting and trying and, uh, you know, that's that's basically my tip is is a really cool way to to troubleshoot what preferences go with what apps, because I know looking through preference files can be uh, can be tedious sometimes. So uh, that's cool. It also does things like you can, uh, you know, manage and delete widgets and your preference panes ah. and all that sort of thing as well. So I will include in my email a link to the website. Um, but check it out, App Cleaner, and uh, using it as a troubleshooting for preference files, I thought was quite cool. All right, this is where you cut me off. Thanks. All right, and we have cut you off. So thanks. That I, I love. I love that context because uh, because it 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 clearly built to do it, but but not necessarily the most obvious feature um, when you uh, when you look at it on the surface. So that that I, I like that. That's a that's a nice little nice little anecdotal use of that, John. What I found, though, so out of the utilities that do this, and I use one that's a little different, Dave. It's a uh, a pref pane called App Trap. Okay, and it doesn't give you the detailed info about where things are, right. but it will when you throw something away. It'll come up with a dialogue saying, "Oh, by the way, you know, there's some preference and other support files. Would you like to get rid of them?" So that's another option. And okay, that's also free. Um, and even the, something that you and I have been looking at as of late, Dave also does this Mac keeper. Yes. Much Mac, to my Mac surprise, and, because and, I was throwing something away the other day and all of a sudden this dialogue came up saying, Oh, hi, by the way, you're throwing something away. You want me to kind of clean up for you? <laughs> it yeah. surprised me because I didn't know there was a feature of it. I'm still looking at, at some of the other things it does. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll get back to you on, yeah. on what I think of it. Um, H- Hazel does this too. So, 
Yeah, I forgot what they call it. Um, now, the thing that I found with some of these, Dave, though, and, and I think App Cleaner and some of the others may not totally get everything. Yeah. Because not only is it preferences, but it's also, uh, there are also application support, which I think is in your library folder. So so a lot of times you'll have your library folder and then that in there is an application support folder. And I think App Cleaner gets that. I think some of the others don't. But here's where I noticed that some of these utilities hardly ever go to either your launch daemons or launch agents folder. Huh. A lot of times some utilities, and I verified this at least in one case, because I think these guys build up a database of where they think they should be looking for things to get rid of. I don't know if they scour your hard drive to look for this because I found it at least in one case I found where even though I threw away an app, it did not get rid of the plist file that was either in the launch agents or launch daemons, which sometimes can lead to these spurious or annoying console messages where it keeps trying to launch something that has been discarded. I'll have to check. I, I know. And I I don't want to misspeak here, but, but at least Mm -hmm. one of the apps I've used, which means it either has to be Mac keeper or Hazel or, or both. Okay. Um, actually watch the app as it's in progress. And nice. and track okay. the things that it actually touches. And I, and I my guess is, as I'm you know kind of describing what I believe the behavior to be, and I'll, and I'll ask both of the, the vendors to listen to the show and and maybe chime in. But um, I, my guess is they're being intelligent about it and saying, look, if it's in, you know, one of the library or system folders, then that's something we'd want to put on the list to get rid of. If it's a document, well, we don't want to yeah. get rid of that. And, and of course, all of them, Hazel. And and Mac Keeper that that I use and my guest is the rest show you what they're about to delete and you can uncheck uh-huh. you know so if it does happen to grab a document by accident you say oh no 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 <laughs> no I want that and you uncheck it and then it doesn't delete it so right but between all of them but they're all good things to have because I think that's that's one it is yeah, one the whole- part of Mac OS ten that honestly kind of sucks yeah that they don't clean up their mess very well right. I mean, I, I you have an app in a package and you can throw that away, but, but there, yeah, there's all these little files scattered about that, that just sit there and, and are never going to go away unless you use one of these applications. Right. Right. Yeah, it is. It is a pain in the neck. Uh, all right. Let's, um, let's go, uh, you know, speaking of handy little apps, cause that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, Greg writes, I found a fantastic new hard drive space management utility called Space Gremlin. Of all the space management apps I've tried for the Mac, this one finally gets it right. It's so easy to see what's actually eating up your hard drive space at a quick glance. It's at spacegremlinapp.com, and you can download a demo version from there. Uh, if you decide to buy it, it is in the Mac App Store uh, for a introductory price of $3.99 increasing at some unspecified future date to seven ninety nine, and we'll see if that ever happens. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so he sent a screenshot of this, which really handy and, and it does, it shows folders and their contents in, in little rectangles and the rectangle, the larger the rectangle is the larger the file is. And it's all oh, like perfectly it. relative. Yeah, it's right. It's <laughs> awesome. And he's right because, you know, Omni disk sweeper, which was my go-to and, well, up until right now, still is my go-to utility for oh, this sort of thing. Oh, the price is right. Right. It's free. <laughs> and, and well, and, and, and it works okay. I mean, it organizes hierarchically and you can click through and see stuff. But 
being able to see at a glance, oh, right. that's what's okay. So I don't even have to bother digging into that folder. I know that my folder of movies is monstrous and that's just how it is. So yeah, that's, um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Screenshot did it for you because yeah, yeah, yeah. Omni Disk Suite, as you point, will show you, you can sort by the size each folder takes, but it doesn't give you the big picture. This gives you the big picture all at one glance. So, right. so I think that's, yeah, very clever, uh, clever. Approach. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yep. Yep. But it'll cost you. But it'll cost you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what movie was that? Oh, it was, uh, that was uh, um, uh, Funny Farm with Chevy Chase, right? And they had that uh, that crazy drunken oh. postman that came in and, uh, you know, was trying to convince the people to buy the house and said all these nice things and talked about fishing oh, in the I, lake I, I and all that stuff. I don't recall that. And then uh, Chevy Chase said to him, uh, ah, that was a nice touch about the pike in the lake. And the guy said, oh, <laughs> but it'll cost you. That's right. That's great. So is it about that time? Uh, no, we can do we can do two more. Uh, I think. Okay. Yeah. My clock says we're. Uh, I know we're around we're, the one hour mark. Yeah, right? we're ticking here, but you know it doesn't it doesn't hurt that much. Um, well, then you've been away, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll right, uh, right. Okay, so uh, let's let's do a couple. We can, we'll do three. We'll do two geeky ones because it's good to end on a geeky note, and then uh, one piece of hardware that's that's kind of cool. So uh, we are jumping to Jeff here to uh, to start our geeky thing. And this isn't terribly geeky, but Jeff writes uh, process renicer uh, at eosgarden.com is a Mac app that will let you easily change the nice value of any app. Uh, what Jeff is talking about here is something in the Unix world. Every app runs with a quote unquote nice. That's right. N I C E value. Now a value of zero means uh, is sort of the middle middle of the road. If uh, it apps the, the OS and, and your Mac does this without you even knowing the OS assigns a priority to every app that's running. So if two apps ask for the processor at the same time, uh, it's going to, if their nice level is the same, it's going to give them equal billing. But if one of them has a higher nice level than the other, well, then that app is built to be nicer than the other. And so the higher the nice level, the lower the priority, the lower the nice level, the higher the priority. So if you have something like, say, Handbrake, right, and it's running on your Mac and it's crunching through and just chewing up as much processor as it possibly can get, which is what you want it to do is it's converting a movie. Uh, but you don't want it to negatively impact you using your Mac. So you could use this thing uh, called process renicer to set its nice level to like 20. It's a range from negative 20 to positive 20. So if you set handbrake all the way up at 20, it's only going to use those extra processor cycles that basically no one else wants. But if you have something that needs to run and, you know, it's got to get done as quickly as possible, you could set it down to negative 20. But you might pay for it in terms of your machine being a little sluggish and, and that sort of thing. So uh, so this is process re nicer. And <laughs> I believe, yeah, it's free. So uh, and you could do so, this from the command line. But but this allows you to, to do it in a, a nice little window, actually. So, so nice processes finish last. That <laughs> Mr. John F. Braun, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Yep, I'm here all week. <laughs> Tip your waitress. <laughs> but uh, you it. know, that's interesting though, because I mean, well, what's to prevent every everybody from just making their process not nice and, and chew all the processor? I guess nothing. But nothing. No, nothing. Yeah. You, you just hope that app developers are are friendly, friendly bunch. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, in general yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. All right, so so that was that one, and then and then um, there was another geeky one. Oh, oh, that one from Michael. It's uh, it's an audio comment. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is pretty cool. Some stuff that's built into the OS that I never knew was there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin with a cool. Oh, oh, oh. All right, hang on. Let's try this again. Hi, guys. This is Michael in Boston with a cool stuff found for those of us who live and breathe in the terminal. It's PB copy and PB paste. There are standard programs included with OS X. PB copy takes its input and copies it to the clipboard. PB paste writes the contents of the clipboard to its standard output. The upshot of this is that if, for example, you have a shell command that's giving strange output and you want to email the output to someone, you can pipe the output to PB copy then go into your mail app and paste it. Similarly, if you like awk and said, etc., you can copy text from a website, for example, then do, do PP paste, pipe through said, whatever. You can even pipe it to PP copy if you want. Anyway, I hope this qualifies as cool stuff. It certainly is for me. You can cut me off here. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, so that's definitely cool stuff. Geeky and cool. Look at that. And you know, if you go to the terminal, you do a man page on it, Dave. Yeah. It, it, it tells you all about it. And I guess the PB is pasteboard. Oh, so it's like PB. What is a power book? Oh, you know, I well, thought the man page says thing. that, which uh, yeah, in that case you folks don't know, but whenever you want to know about what a Unix command does, like I just found, go to the terminal and I did man PB copy and it brings up the man page for both PB copy and PB paste because they, uh, they go hand in hand. Right. And they right. even say in here provides copying and pasting to the pasteboard paren, the clipboard. So one time in the past, I guess they call it the pasteboard, which is kind of silly because, I mean, you can't just paste to it, right? I mean, you can cop. Yeah, well, anyway. it is what it is. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Well, it's really good to know for, again, for the people that uh, just love the terminal. That's right. Okay, so we have one last audio comment. Now, oh. uh, the this is about USB cables, and, and I think our, our mystery listener here uh, explains this, but in case it's not explained well, in a general sense, USB cables can't really go over about 15 feet, right? Uh, and so, and some of them can't even go that long. So, well, I got some. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I have a little bit to add after. Okay, cool. We get this coming. Uh, oh, gosh. When I, you know, when you mute the sound from one caller, you have to unmute it before you play the second caller. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. I remember in an episode of Matt Geek Gab podcast that I think it might have been a premium episode, I don't know, but that a guy was talking about going across his room and putting his hard drives across with the USB cable behind him so they're not cluttering up his desk. I found an active USB cable that can extend up to 50 feet. Well, guys, you can daisy chain them up to 50 feet, and they're the active USB, and they don't need an external power so you don't need to need a another wall plug or anything else to clutter up that um, already cluttered power strip. So um, it's bus powered, and you can extend them up to fifty feet. Each one comes in sixteen feet, and they're twenty bucks on thinkgeek.com. All right, I enjoy the show, and thanks, man. That's awesome. And I actually found them for 18 uh, with free shipping uh, at Amazon, too. 
So, uh, so we'll put the, those links in the show notes, but yeah. So you, you string three of them together and you've essentially got 50 feet of USB. It's all bus powered and, uh, still can, holds its signal. So that's pretty darn cool. Right, John, you said you had something to add. I got more. Okay, so go. number one, if you want to get a reference to the ins and outs of USB, and actually they have some questions here about cable links, uh, USB.org, I think is probably the place you want to go. Cool. And I think the accepted cable length is five meters, which is about 18 feet. Right, right, right. That's right. Um, now, the other place I've seen these, and I don't know if they require external power, but the other one, which we talk about every now and then, and I see here, so Monoprice has some active uh, USB extension cables. And actually, the longest one they have here is 82 feet. Oh, If you want to go nuts. Yeah, and, and the prices look reasonable. So they have a whole bunch of active ones. The the shortest one is sixteen feet for about seven bucks, and the longest it, one is eighty two feet for about thirty bucks. Five meters is sixteen point four feet. Just to uh, just to ah, give yes. us all yeah, I approximate. Here. Yes, yeah, I, I think it's three. Yeah, about three feet. But uh, Monoprice also has them. So between the yeah, I remember when we were thinking about that question. Uh, yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. So, uh, so there certainly are cables that can, uh, the, 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 with a little help. Right. And again, I'm not sure how these guys do it. It looks like some of these may require a external power supply. Okay. So a little different from what, uh, what we just heard about. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's good stuff. Whoa, whoa. The band. It hey, is time. That's right. All right. Uh, let's see. So we've had a, man, a lot of great stuff. And, you know, as always, we don't get to it all, but. That's okay. It, it uh, rolls into the uh, next Cool Stuff Found show, and we've got some, some good stuff already in the queue for that. But if you want to send more stuff in, either for the next Cool Stuff Found show or to ask your own question, because the next show we will, of course, be answering your questions and sharing your tips and sharing any advice we can, you can email us to feedback at macgeekab.com. I'm going to have to violently disagree with you on this, Dave, because it's feedback at macgeekab.com and so I like your V and I will raise your violently with a vehemently uh, <laughs> professed disagreement of no it is feedback at macgeekab.com and of course uh, for those of you who are premium listeners that's 25 bucks for 6 months you get it two at least 2 extra episodes a month from us you get access to all the archives and of course the warm fuzzy feeling that you get supporting your two favorite geeks uh that is uh premium at macgeekgab.com to which you can send your emails 206-666-GEEK is the number to call and john geek is us oh <laughs> and you sometimes yeah well, we have a few uh, people i'd qualify as uh, geeks oh no we're all listening we're all, audience we're all geeks, but it also geeks is. in training but it is G-I- yes, okay, great. Uh, but it's, yes, it's four, three, three, five. That's right. You can see the uh, excellently curated show notes at macgeekgab.com. And you, <laughs> uh, Lovingly you know, handcrafted. And so, I use, I, I got to say, Dave, I use BB Edit. I am, I kick it old uh, school. There you go. I, cra- I lovingly handcraft them in raw HTML. That's on BB Edit. Because BB Edit is yeah, it does HTML uh, wonderfully. Yeah. Well, once I save it, it color codes it. Yep. So I make sure I get all my tags right, and uh, there you go. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, 
And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rant a little bit about that. There were a bunch of people at South by Southwest this week. You know, you get you get these people that think they're influencers and and you know, hip to social media and all this stuff together in a room, and, and they start believing. <laughs> there's, a, there's a term for that. Yeah, I know. But I don't think we can say. No, that. we try to keep this show pretty clean. We don't we don't run it. Well, we have here. the clean tag. Yes, that's right. Uh, in iTunes, which you should leave a comment. I'm sorry, I, I no, took no, a tangent. That's okay. But you should leave iTunes comments. We we love iTunes comments. Yes. So there, there was this theme, and 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 uh, and Bob Geldof spoke on uh, Thursday morning. He he was actually a fantastic mm-hmm. speaker. Bob Geldof. He uh, well, among other Boomtown Rats, and uh, he organized Live Aid, right? A bunch oh, of times. All right, yeah, all right. I've heard of that. He's Sir Bob Geldof now. Um, yeah. Oh. But anyway, uh, he was speaking to this in a much more intelligent way than than most people uh, were. But but there was this this kind of vibe, especially during the interactive festival earlier in the week, that curation is the future. And it's like, you know, yeah, that's true. Uh, but curation was the past, too, right? You know, books didn't make it out without someone deciding, someone other than the author deciding they were good. Records didn't make it to the record store without someone signing the band. You know, it's only in in very recent history that we've had, well, uh, frankly, crap like this, where, you know, two guys can decide to just publish something and bam, it's out there. There's no, you know, curation other than the listeners finding it. But you found out, well, this podcast started when there were very few, comparably, po- uh, uh, relatively few podcasts compared to now. Uh, it, you know, curation is a good thing. And, and, and even we're curated, right? Because iTunes, the folks at iTunes curate the store. And uh, and curate which podcasts are going to come to the, the top, and and they pick Oddly, ones that are good. Oddly, we seem to appear in it's the not, technology section. It's not odd. It's good, right? I mean, yeah, no, that's it's right. the support of our 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 listening audience. Well, it's I, that. I assume they go by subscriptions and, mm. and feedback and all that. Or yeah, they, there's a magic formula. Well, there's a magic formula, but then they go ahead and listen to these shows and make sure that, that they're not putting junk up there, right? So. Um, you know, so so curation is is something we've always needed, and I and I firmly believe we we still need it, and uh, and so. But anyway, it was interesting that's to hear a, these. That's a weird term to me because I looked it up here, and at least according to one source, yeah, uh, the act of curating, of organizing and maintaining a collection of artworks or artifacts. Well, so to know. me, it almost sounds like you're you know putting a bunch of things up on the shelf somewhere and uh, well there's other definitions right but. right but that you know so it was just interesting to hear all these people saying oh yeah the future's curation it's like well yes I agree but but you know so was the past so anyway that's uh, that's my little rant about what happens when you get a bunch of marketing people that think they're geeks yeah, they, it's really all the, the social media officers the people that can bamboozle well, their bosses into letting them play on Twitter all day well that, that term makes my skin crawl uh, with you. You probably, well no SEO no, it's well, no. search engine optimization. No, that that's a whole other. That's different. No, I'm talking about SMOs. I understand social media officers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is yeah, as I think we're hinting is uh, you know, give me an excuse to uh, play on Twitter all day and get paid for it. Yeah, that's that's what <laughs> or a lot Facebook of, it, or that's what a lot of these people do. <laughs> uh, you know, there there are a select few that I've met that actually are doing good things. Um, yeah, Jessica Boleyn at at, uh, at at Cirque du Soleil. And actually, she's no longer with Cirque du Soleil. She moved on to a different company, but she really kind of, you know, helped that brand out. And there are other people, but uh, in a general sense. Anyway, I'm rambling. But speaking of Twitter, no, no, but well, well you, you got to something relevant, I think. There you go. Because we're into this Twitter thing, and if, if you would like to, 
get in touch with us via Twitter. There is Mac Geek App, which you can learn about when the show notes are published, when the uh, enhanced show is published. And if you want to toss us a question, uh, both Dave and I monitor the Mac Geek App Twitter feed. Um, uh, I even have Boxcar set to send me an alert when somebody posts a, uh, a mention of it now. And the Twitter client I use, which I'm not going to say the name of it because then we're going to lose our clean rating. But I also have, no, I run a background search on both Mac Geek Gab and Mac Geek Gab is one word. And right. anytime anything comes in the Twitterverse that has that in there, I can see it. Plus, also now it runs uh, both accounts. Cool. So, of course, Mac Geek Gab. Um, oh, hey. Whoa, whoa. The, the band, the band the Band's quit. getting lazy. Yeah, that way yeah you got to we'll, hit the band we'll get button. Going back in Let me kick in the butt there. There we go. Of course, I am John F. Ron on Twitter. Dave Hamilton is Dave Hamilton. Pilot Pete, who is probably being a pilot, is Pilot, pilot Pete. Pete. And Mac Observer. Right. All right. On Twitter. Any, any, that, I think that's about My, it. Michael Johnston is Michael Johnston on Twitter. He's also the host of the We Have Communicators podcast and... He is the one who converts the show to AAC Enhanced for you. Cashfly is Cashfly on Twitter. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y. They provide all the bandwidth. They're also available at cashfly.com. Great distributed bandwidth there. Uh, The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebones Software, PDF Pen from Smile, and Notebook from Circus Ponies all through Backbeat Media. And folks, that's it. We will be here. I believe we're here Thursday, right, John, to do our premium show. Uh, And then uh, I think, right, do we? I think we have one more, at least one more of those to do. So we're planning to be here Thursday for those of you premium listeners or any new premium listeners. Otherwise, we're back on Monday. Have fun. Have a good week.